سيدنا محمد على اله وصحبه اجمعين. اللهم افتح علينا فتحا مبينا وارزقنا رزقا مباركا كما رب اشرح لنا صدورنا ويسر لنا امورنا واحلل لنا عقدا من السنتنا يفقهوا قولنا ربنا ادخلنا مدخل صدق واخرجنا مخرج صدق واجعلنا من لدنك صدقا وسلاما. السلام Fussalat is a verb that means uh, expounded or that which has been made clear or plain. And this is a reference to the Quran. So right off the bat, you can tell, infer that this is a surah about the Quran, the blessed Quran, uh, the word of Allah Azza wa Jal, and it's, it's, it's glory and power. And as you can see uh, from all the sessions we have covered, that Allah takes a significant amount of time in elaborating on His Word and why we should all pay attention to His Word. And this is the blessing of Allah if He takes the time and makes the effort to not only communicate a message, but shed light on His Word itself and why His Word is different than a human word, a normal word. It's not a normal word, it's the divine word of Allah. So it has a specific divine nature to it. That Allah takes time to explain and make plain. Thus the title of the surah, Fussilat. He's saying that this word of Allah has been made very clear, made very plain, that there should be no excuse for anyone to reject, refuse, or turn away from this word. So to illustrate the power of this surah, before we you know, um, discuss further the theme of this surah, um, you know, during the time of the Prophet when he was <coughs> at the height of um, um, you know, taking the word of Allah to the people of Mecca, and during the height of that rejection, and shock of the of Quraysh and the idolaters as to you know the impact of this word on people you know very well how they reacted they re- reacted with such hostility and, and violence to the Prophet because they couldn't cope with the word of Allah. They couldn't cope so they attacked the character of Prophet Muhammad because they couldn't attack the word itself. They had no answer or rebuttal for the word of Allah. So what do you do when you're not happy with the message, you attack the messenger. And they indeed attack the messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wa So when they couldn't come up with a rebuttal, they were wondering how to respond to this man. Because these are not normal words that they can repel or respond to with poetry or just eloquent speech. So they are used to hold many councils and meetings to come up with strategies. They're really Befuddled by Prophet Muhammad and the word of Allah. They had no answer whatsoever, and they were shaken because the, 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 the message of the Prophet and the word of Allah shook the status quo of Mecca, shook it, shook the, the social and economic and political order of Mecca. So suddenly their interests and agendas were at stake. That's why they, 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 they you know, were violent in their response. So one time it is reported that the leaders of Mecca gathered to discuss what they can do. 
because all their strategies were failing. And they said amongst themselves, these are the leaders, the chiefs of Mecca, who amongst us can go to this man and silence him, rebut him. Who amongst us knows the most about sorcery and poetry? Because in their silly mind, they're still thinking, even though they understood it's not poetry, they knew the rhyme of poetry. They knew the scales of poetry. They knew how they were, they were masters of poetry. If there's one thing that the Arabs of Mecca have mastered, it was language. Mastery of language is what they, they, they have. So they understand the style of language very well, and they understood this, this is not poetry, but nonetheless, all they, they know is poetry and prose. So they said, who amongst us is the best in poetry, and who amongst us is the best in sorcery? Because there's got to be something you know, magical about this. He must be exercising sorcery on these people. So who amongst us would know this the most, that they can go to this man and talk to him? And they said, who else than, or better than Uthman Rabi'ah? There's one of the chiefs, his name is Uthman Rabi'ah, who's notorious, notorious. And he's a very eloquent man, <clears throat> familiar with sorcery. And they said, here's the man, here it's. You know, you, you, you need to be the one. And he said, sure, I'll pick it up. He's very courageous and bold, and he's not afraid of anyone. He said, I'll go to And then he went to the, they, they, they gave him a task. They told him, listen, you tell me these things, you offer him, make him this offer, right? And hopefully he'll take this offer. So Abdul I went and asked for a meeting with Prophet Muhammad And indeed, Prophet Muhammad the gracious man that he was, even though these people were nasty and bothered with him, he welcomed the offer to meet. And he sat with, with Uthbah. And you can learn so much from the etiquette and the character of Prophet Muhammad Because he himself became an illustration of a verse in the surah. In Imagine someone standing in front of you, sitting in front of you to insult you and offend you, and you're just maintaining silence. Right? And just patiently listening. This was how he was dealing with Uthbah. You really learn so much from this interaction. So he sat in front of him and he said, Go ahead, Uthbah. What do you have to say? And he said, Oh, Muhammad. <clears throat> Immediately started offending. Hey, Muhammad, are you better than your father and your grandfather? And he's asking. And Prophet Muhammad was silent. Didn't say a word. He didn't start arguing. He didn't get worked up. He's just nodding. He's like, Are you better than Abdullah, your father? And your grandfather, he said, well then, they have worshipped the things that you're insulting. They worship the things that you're insulting. These idols, your father and grandfather worship them. So who do you think you are to criticize or defame these idols? And who are you to think that you're better than all of us? And for us to listen to your words, who do you think you are? We have not really seen anyone whose worst news, more ominous news on us than you. Imagine the offensive. We have not seen worse news than you to us as a city <clears throat> and as a people. You've divided our tribes, our people, and you have defamed our tradition and way 
And you've scandalized us amongst the Arabs. You've shamed us amongst the Arabs. What's the response of Prophet Muhammad? Just looking at him. Can you imagine how, how much would you put up? Somebody smacking you this much. You're in disgrace, you're ashamed, you're horrible, right? There's no worse news to Potomac than you. Can you imagine? To Maryland, the United States, than you. Wow. And then he goes <clears throat> further. When I said this, I said it as an example. But I mean, just to be clear, it's not for the story or the account itself. Um, so they said further to him, he said further to him, now here's the offer. He said, what do you want? If you want something, you want status, we'll make you a chief, the chief amongst us. Wow. Suddenly you go from insulting someone, look at their state, and look at the confidence of Prophet Muhammad. Well, if somebody has such bad news, you're not going to appoint him as a chief. Make sense? So why do someone look at the lack of logic, look at the, the, the hypocrisy and the contradictions? They're actually terrified. Right? All this thought is hiding, is concealing fear in them. Because suddenly, without him saying the word, he's saying, hey, listen, listen. You want something? We'll make you the chief amongst us. The chief. Prophet <laughs> silent. Not a word. Then he said, you want woman? We'll give you countless wives. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He actually specifically said, we'll give you 10. And he said, <clears throat> you want wealth? We'll give you wealth. And then he stopped. So Rasulullah Sallallahu nodded and he said, Ya Abu Walid, Wa Abu Walid. That's his nickname. Are you done? Just finish. Are you done? He said, yeah. He exhausted every single thing he had without a word, without a word from Prophet Muhammad. How does the Prophet respond? Well, how would you respond? Start defending yourself. So I say, well, I didn't do this, I did that. How come? Why don't you look at this? Just just kind of basic exchange. Nope. Prophet Muhammad responds by saying this. And then he keeps saying this until he reaches a verse that says, Verse 13. He responded by reciting the first 13 verses of Surat Fusilat. What is that? What, I mean, what does it say? Let me just quickly tra- trans- you know, provide a rough translation. It's 13 verses. The beginning, Hamim, two letters of Allah. Tanzilu min al-Rahman al-Rahim. This is a revelation from the merciful, from the most merciful, most beneficent. A book that has been made clear and plain, whose verses and whose signs have been made clear, Quran, Arabic, Arabic Quran for people who understand and know it delivers good tidings, glad tidings, and a warning, but most of them are not hearing. And they said that our hearts are veiled and our ears are deaf. And we have a seal, a veil between us and this revelation. So do whatever you want to do. We shall do what we want to do. 
saying to them, I'm not, not but a human being like you, and this is a revelation given to me by my Lord, so be straight and seek forgiveness from Allah Azza wa Jal and woe, warning to those who take partners with Allah, the ones who don't give zakah and they disbelieve in the hereafter. And then the last verse, verse 13. So if they rebel and they turn away, then tell them, I warn you with a warning of a, of a, 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 a thunderbolt that will come and hit you like the thunderbolt that hit the nations of Adam. And he stopped. Can you imagine? Now, Uthba was hearing every single word. And Uthba is no dummy. And Uthba understood language and understood that this is not the word of a man. Guess what he did? He didn't shout at the Prophet. He didn't. He was so rattled, so rattled that it's reported that he stopped the Prophet saying, Hasbuka, Hasbuka. Please, please stop, please, please stop, begging. Hasbuk, please, I beg you, I beg you, stop, 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 begging him to stop reciting. And then he put his hand on the mouth of the Prophet Muhammad. Put his, his hand on the mouth of the Prophet Muhammad and he's saying, I plead with you by virtue of the kinship, by virtue of the familiar relationships we have that you don't continue. And then what did he do? He didn't ask. Just please, please stop. I'm begging you to stop presiding. I love you, man. Right? And then he left. And he went back to Quraysh. And what did he say to Quraysh? He was bewildered. Uthman was not in his normal state of mind. He sat in front of the chiefs who were eager to hear what happened. They are both Adam. We sent you on a mission. He sat in front of them bewildered. And he said this. He said, I heard from this man words I've never heard before. And it is not magic. And it is not sorcery. And it is not poetry. And I begged him by virtue of kinship that he did not continue talking when he started talking to me. Whatever he said to me was something that bewilders. And he said, you know that this man has not promised a thing before except that it was fulfilled. So I'm warning because what I heard provided promises. And I know that this man, and you know that this man, whatever he said, became true. <clears throat> and he said to them, I advise you, I beg you, leave him alone. Don't touch him. Let him do whatever he wants to do. For whatever he is saying, is something powerful. Now, let's be reasonable here, he said to them. If he is going to be airing what he's saying, if what he's saying is false, let us assume it's false, then we have no business with him, and someone else will take care of him. We have nothing to do. So let him go, right? If what he's saying is false, then it's not going to harm us. But if it's something truthful, then he is from us. And his victory and his success will be our success and our victory. And we shall be the chiefs of Arabia, all of Arabia. And he stopped. What did they say to him? Saharaka Muhammad, Muhammad exercised sorcery on your Adba. We sent you on a mission. And this is what you come back with? 
He did magical. So because of what he said, the chiefs said to him, Muhammad did magic on you because you lost it. You lost your mind, to, you know, for you, you know, to be saying this to us. He said, listen, it's my opinion, and you do as you wish. And he left. <clears throat> so this is the context of the surah. This is the usage of the Prophet Sallallahu of the surah. This surah is so powerful, so firm in its message about the Qur'an and its impact. The nature of this revelation and the warning given to those <coughs> who willfully <coughs> and deliberately choose to turn away from the Quran. Allah warns, there's a sa'aqa, a bull, a thunderbolt that is going to come and hit you. Like the one that destroyed and leveled Adam and Thamuz. But Allah specifically talking about those who willfully, deliberately reject the word of Allah because it has been made what? What's the title of the surah? This is clear. We'll sit up. So it's, the word indicates what the content of the surah is, and it's saying that it's been so clear to you, O Arabs, that you better listen and heed this, and if you're not hearing such a clear message that is so plain, that is so suitable for you, that addresses you, there's no confusion about it, and if you're still unclear, then ask questions, but if you're choosing to deliberately turn away from it, then guess what? You're going to be finished off. And Allah Azza wa words him in the surah. What is the concept of the surah? What's kind of the central theme? The central theme, as we said, is the word of Allah, the Quran itself. What is revelation? So this surah addresses what is revelation? The question of what is revelation? What's the nature of the word of Allah? And what is the attitude of the human being towards this revelation? So what is the word of Allah? What's the impact of the word of Allah? And what is the response of the word of Allah? So Allah Azza speaks of two categories in the surah. Those who willfully open their heart to the word of Allah. Willfully. They're not necessarily understanding it yet. But they decided to open their heart to just listen objectively. Listen objectively. And he talks about them and the impact of his word on them. And he takes up the other category of people who willfully reject it and put a distance between them and the Qur'an. Quraysh and the chiefs and the others who follow them. And he speaks of the effect of the Qur'an on those who willfully reject it. It turns out that the Qur'an's impact is distinct because this is divine. So the way it, it um, addresses a human being is a response to their state of heart. This is amazing. There's no other word that will do this. If you open a normal book, it's, it's plain. It's not going to make a difference as to who is reading it. It doesn't care. The Quran actually knows who's reading it. That's amazing. Quran has a spirit to it. Allah says, In another surah, he says, We reveal to you a spirit. This, this word is divine, it's infinite. It has powerful content to it that is infused with a spirit, with a spirit from Allah Himself. So if the Quran itself, when someone opens it to read, to read it, it reads them. <clears throat> so the Quran itself, clearly with the intervention of Allah Azza checks out the state of the heart of the one reading it and responds accordingly. 
So if someone has opened their heart to just say, I'm here to just listen. I just want to see what this is about. Objectively, it treats them differently. It opens itself to them. As opposed to someone who says, I'm not listening to this nonsense. I'm not opening my heart. And the believers literally said, we're playing dumb. There is actually deafness in our ears. Right? There's deafness in our ears and there's a veil in our heart. We cannot understand this. They willfully decided not to listen to the Quran. So Allah says, you know what? The impact on a heart like that is different. And it's really going to fail them. So the surah discusses that. And the surah discusses further the notion of one of the impacts, one of the impacts of this Quran in terms of the company that it will bring you even. So whether or not someone accepts the Quran or rejects it determines even the company that we have in our lives. And Allah will address that as well. And Allah Azza wa will address in this surah ultimately the fate, the, the, the deprivation of the future for those who reject this Quran, that they're going to be stripped completely of hope of any future in this world and in the next world. So let us, inshallah, go back and kind of pick up some of the passages and verses in the surah with an eye on what this Qur'an does to the hearts and to all of life. Allah begins it. Again, a surah entitled um, Fussilat, expounded, but by declaring that it's a revelation from who? From Mina Rahman Rahim. This is very important. So Allah says, this revelation is from the most merciful, most beneficent. The word of Allah can be described, the word of Allah can be described in reference to him as a source. So how do you understand the message? Look at the messenger. It's not just that you look at the message, you also look at who delivered the message. That has a, has a, makes a difference, doesn't it? And in fact, Allah will refer in later in this surah and, and, and educate all of us on how to speak. One of the impacts of the Quran is to enlighten us further, make us better people. And when you're made into a better human being, when, it, when, when you're purified inside, the words that come out should be pure. So Allah speaks <clears throat> of how to make your word more believable, how to enhance your word. And he puts a condition, and we'll talk about that condition. So people can mesmerize with your words, with their, with their words, but it doesn't mean they're good words. Maybe the appearance of them is that they're good, but it doesn't mean their words Worthy of being listened to. How do you know? Allah will describe us. <clears throat> so here Allah reminds us, when you come to judge the Quran, judge it based on where it came from. It came from who? Allah. And how does Allah describe himself? Look at this powerful surah that stunned the chiefs of Mecca, that stunned the Prophet of Rabi'ah, that he was terrified and he ran back to the chiefs saying, please, please, let this man go. Right? How does he begin it? And Revelation, not from, he didn't say the, the most powerful thing. He emphasized what? Mercy. It came from the one who is most compassionate, most merciful. So it must carry what? Message of hope and mercy. And the words themselves not only are carrying a message of mercy, the words when they touch your heart, if you open your heart to, to, to them, they're so gentle and compassionate with you that they'll mellow your heart. They'll encompass you in that beautiful spirit of Allah Azza wa Jalla. So this is a message from somebody who cares for you infinitely. 
cares for you infinitely. He's not coming to, 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 to um, take you out. No, no, no. He delivered this to you because you need it, because you need that care, and it's coming to you from the one who cares from the heavens and the earth. And if, you're, if it came from the Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most compassionate, the most merciful, then how can it be bad for you? And how can you turn away from it? You're hurting yourself. This is the beginning. So Allah here is educating us as far as paying attention to the source of the message, which tells us we really need to get educated about Allah. The more we learn about Allah, the more we appreciate what? The Quran. The reason why people do not revere the Quran, the word of Allah, pay attention to this. Very simple statement. People do not revere the word of Allah because they don't revere who? Allah himself. When we develop, when we develop a reverence for Allah, the way we hold His book is different. The way we look at His words is different. Uh, one of the companions of Prophet Muhammad um, whose name escapes me, I'll remember it shortly, inshallah. Akrima, uh, the son of Abu Jah. Can you imagine Abu Jah, the worst of the chiefs of Mecca? And the, one of the ones who fought the Quran the most and died as a Kafir, his son became Muslim. His name is Ekrim. He used to hold the, the sheets uh, upon which the word of Allah was written and hold them close to his chest and just say, Hada kalamu rabbi, Hada kalamu rabbi, and cry, weep. Can you imagine? He's holding the word tied close to his chest and saying, This is the word of my Lord, this is the word of my Lord, why weep while weeping? Just him appreciating the Quran, holding in my hand, is the word of Allah. The word of Allah. And he talks to himself and he starts to weep. Wow, I'm holding the word of Allah. Just pause for a second and think about it that way. We're listening to the word of Allah. We're holding and reading the word of Allah. Enough. If we revere Allah, appreciate who he is, we'll be moved, stunned. Without even... Without even translating anymore, without even paying attention to what it says, just the fact that it came from Allah, and Allah is telling us this. Then he says further, the theme of the surah, Kitabun, Fusilat Ayatu Quran al Arabiya al Qawmiyyalamun. And I want you to imagine Prophet Muhammad reciting this, the Rathbah. And he's saying, a book that has been made clear, what in it isn't clear, what's in it that is not plain, what's in it that is confusing and overwhelming or are conflicting, nothing. He says, Quran and Arabiya, a book delivered to you with your own language and your own tongue, so that it's suitable for you and your understanding. Allah didn't deliver it in jinn language, right? <clears throat> in Chinese, it came to the Arabs as an initial nation that received it, and it came in their language, eloquent, beautiful, understandable, suitable, and it's not cryptic. And by the way, it could have been in Arabic language, but still is cryptic. You know, when you hear, uh, some of like, I don't know if you guys have ever come across like uh, people who deal with gym and stuff like this. Sometimes they come up with these bizarre, right? Um, I don't know, duas and stuff like this. That like you start hearing like, what? What are you? What is this? Right? It's very cryptic. Quran, if you read it and come across it, has none of that. It is so plain and beautiful and understandable. And suitable to the intellect and to the heart and to the soul. It's so gentle. So Allah is referring to this. He said, Quran, Arabic, for people who just understand. That's it. Then the question is, 
is what here? Why, why are you not listening to this? What's your excuse? Why are you putting a distance between some, you and something so beautiful, so simple, so elaborate and clear? And whenever Allah speaks of the clarity, I want you to think of the clarity of the message of the Quran in it, not just the language. The fact that it really explains what we need to do. Did it not make the path to Allah clear? Did it not make the path of righteousness and not become righteous clear? Allah is asking. Did it not make falsehood clear? Did it, make, did it not make the halal clear? Did it not make the haram clear? Did it not show you the consequences of rebellion? Did it not describe to you something you would have never known, which is the next world? How are you in the next world? We have no idea. It provided vivid detail about what this life is about. It provided vivid, clear description and explanation of where you came from. It explained beautifully and elaborately the nature of the human being, right? And his psychology and the fact that he has body and soul and that this spirit came from Allah. It explained beautifully and elaborately the fact that when this life ends, death doesn't end it, but that you transform into an eternal life in the next world where there's Jannah and Hellfire where you'll be with Allah and His angels. It describes you the world of the angels and the world of the jinn. It describes you everything, how to speak and how to act, how to construct a family, social order, political order. What else do you need? Allah is asking. Salat al-Mustaqim. Is there any confusion you're asking? Fustilat. That's why it says it's entitled Fustilat. So if such clear content and message is not hated after all of this, and it's coming to you from the one who made you, then guess what's going to happen? <laughs> Warning to you, you're going to be finished off. You have no future. Because there is no future except with the Quran. It's the only pathway to the future and to the present and to forgiveness and to righteousness and to making it in the next world. There is no other way than Allah saying you have no future. It's stripped off completely. If you don't listen to this expounded word of Allah Azza wa Jal, and Allah said in verse <clears throat> 5, describes their reaction. How did they react? They didn't want to listen to the word because they didn't want to change their lives. Remember the psychology. Psychology people reject faith without investigating the faith, without listening to the argument of the, of the religion. Our people are clearly bent on what? Their way of living. But they came up with excuses. Even a lot of the uh, people who deny the existence of God, by the way. A lot of them really genuinely deny his existence. But a lot of them, inside of them, they, they realize there is a God. But they argue with his existence. You know why? Because they don't want to change the way they live. They don't want accountability. They don't want the notion of a next world. Because they're busy what indulging in their lives now. And they're so attached to the objects of worship, whims, desires, ego, status, wealth, opposite gender, appearance, whatever it is that they're busy with, they cannot let it go. So the way to deal with the injunctions coming to you and the requirements of the faith is to say, I can't deal with this, so I might as well deny it all. That's why they deny. Because of this attachment, intimate attachment to their objects of worship, they cannot look at. Because it reminds them what they need to do. It reminds them of what they need. So they don't want the reminder. 
And Allah describes their reaction here in verse 5 by saying, And they said literally, now they have an attitude. Look at, remember this surah is about the revelation, its nature, and the response, the attitude to the Qur'an that determines how the Qur'an deals with you, how the Qur'an impacts you. So they're acting dumb here. They're acting dumb. They're not only saying we're not going to listen. No, no, they act dumb. They feel that they're superior to this message. But they flipped it in their response. And they made it sound like, you know what? This, this is above us. This is above us. We're not smart enough to understand this. They're playing dumb on it. They're not necessarily saying we're stupid. But they're saying, you know what? There's something available in our hearts. We have a veil in our hearts that makes us incapable of, of understanding this message. And by the way, oh, my ears are deaf. Can you imagine somebody talking like that? They're playing dumb. They're being sarcastic. And they're saying, literally, we have a veil. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I have a veil between me and this, this, this word. Oh, oh, I can't, I can't hear. Can you imagine somebody reacting this way? They're mocking the Quran. And they put an artificial distance between them and the Quran. They literally decided, I cannot come near the Quran. It's not intelligible to me. Can you imagine if it really was delivered by an angel? Meaning to them. Or that an angel literally carried them, meaning instead of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what would they ask? If a man from them came to them with this word, and it's so clear, and they're still saying it's it's too far from me, how will they react if Allah sent angels? They're gonna be like, What? These are not these are not creatures like us. Allah removed all the excuses, made it so simple, made it so clear, sent them. A person from amongst them, women that they believed, and they still said, Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not getting this. I have deafness in my ear, my intellect is so narrow, it cannot understand this. So Allah saying, You're playing dumb. Man. So you said that you have a veil in your heart. Now, remember when I said the Quran reads you better than you read it? Remember this reads you better than you read it. And responds to you based on what? One condition. What is it? The condition of your heart. So if somebody says to the Quran, I'm sorry, I'm I'm dumb. I have a veil between me and you. What is the Quran going to do? You take a guess. It gives you what your heart is saying. So the heart is saying, I have a veil. So what will the Quran do to you? What I want? I mean, that's scary. That is scary. Allah said, you used to decide if you have a veil in your heart and a deafness in your ear, guess what I'm going to give you? I'm going to actually give you deafness in your ear and a veil in your heart that when you really open it, because of your attitude, you're not going to understand a thing. And in, if anything, it's going to invoke in you disgust. Wow. The word of Allah that can hear, that can guide the one who opens his heart to it, that can give him hope, that when you feel it, like when you read it and you open your heart, it gives you faith. It gives you serenity. Is the same word that when someone else opens it and says, uh, this is foolish stuff, it's going to actually put a veil on your heart that you find it disgusting as Allah said. SubhanAllah. No other word will do this. It repels people further if they reject it. That's the spirit of the Quran. And that's why it's distinct. So Allah's saying, they're saying all of this. Um, so he's describing to them their behavior and the impact. Then he said to the Prophet, then tells them, tell them, remind them, you're a human being like them, 
receiving nothing but revelation from the source, Allah Azza wa Jal, so tell them to straighten up and to seek forgiveness from Allah. That's all that Allah is saying. By the way, this is the message of Nuh. Message of Nuh. Nuh spent 900 some years with his people. And go to Surah Nuh and you'll see the message. And he said, Ya Allah, when he went to complain to Allah, because his people rejected him, abused him, persecuted him, drove him crazy over generations. Talk about patience. And he said, Ya Allah, I've done everything. I don't care with these people. And they continue to be resistant and difficult. And Ya Allah, all that I asked them to do is to do istighfar. So he went back to his people and said, I beg you. All that I'm asking you to do is to make what? Istighfar, which is what? Say, Ya Allah, forgive me. He'll wash away all your bad deeds and sins and difficult, harsh tasks. God, that's what I'm asking you to do. You'll see the same alaykum in I'm begging you, just make us the heart of Allah. Allah will open the heavens in abundance because He's merciful. So, by you just seeking istighfar, which is what's mentioned here, He says to the Prophet, tell them to straighten up and make istighfar. Just say, Allah, forgive me, genuinely. If they just come back with that spirit, what will Allah do to it? It's described in Surah Nur. Allah, He says, promises to open the heavens in abundance and to grant your children wealth, gardens, relief. SubhanAllah. All that comes from a genuine request of pardon from Allah. That's why the Prophet says, whoever is consistent with istighfar, say, astaghfirullah. Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. And he himself used to constantly make istighfar on his sin. People are talking, he's making istighfar. He says, Malazim al istighfar. Whoever is persistent in istighfar, Ja'alallahu lahum in kulu deep and faraja. Om kulu heb in makhraja, wala zakahum haifil ayahtisim. Promise of Allah, whoever does this, Allah will give him a way out of his troubles, relief from every distress and anxiety. And will provide for him, for him or her from places daily experience. You want provision? You want relief for anxieties right now? Make what? Here it is in Surah Fusilah. Here it is in Surah Tawr. Here it is in the words of Prophet Muhammad. There's nothing better than doing that. And that's what they're being called to. And then Allah Azza wa as we said <coughs> earlier, tells him to tell the Prophet to tell them this is verse 13, which was given to Uthbah, right? The last verse before he put his hand on the mouth of Prophet Muhammad If they consistently, if they persist in rejecting this word of Allah, it has been made so clear, so simple, right? And if, they, if they're not um, leveling with it and they're turning away from it, then warn them about a thunderbolt that will hit them like the thunderbolt that hit Ad and Tammuz, a word that really terrified Uthbah when he heard it. And Allah goes in the next section and describes, takes them into the past. In case they're not, they're still confused about the consequences of this willful, willful rejection of the word of Allah. That's all that Allah is asking. Open your heart to it. That's it. If you come genuine, genuinely interested in the Quran, a world will open up to you. The healing and the mercy will come. That's all he that is asking. And he said, if you're not, let me be clear. Remember, surah is called Fussilat. So Allah now, that's tafsir of what? The past. 
So in this surah, he does tafsir of the past and tafsir of the future and tafsir of the present. Tafsir means elaboration in Arabic, right? So he's going to do detailed account, provide a detailed account of the past. And he says to them, let me tell you about Ad, what they've done. They were vain. They were full of ego. They were arrogant like who? Like you. So if you exhibit this behavior of arrogance, and if you think you have no source, meaning Allah, and you go up about your lives just corrupting, thinking there's no accountability, and there are no consequences to this, and you think you're the only one that exists, because you're arrogant, you feel the world revolves around you, then remember what happened to Ad, who thought there's no one stronger than them, who thought that there is no one higher than them, Allah finished them all with indeed the thunderbolt. And where are they now? Allah's asked, where are they now? Finished them all. So sure, they had a long history, but that has to come to an end. And you know what? That history is described in words. You spoke in the words. Exactly. You know, you can look at your past. Brother Zach, you can talk to about this. You can describe it better than me, maybe later in the commentary. He's telling me, like, you look at the whole, like, a decade of your life. And you can, you know, you know, when you go through that decade of your life, an era of your life, it's, it feels like it has a lot of stuff going on. But in retrospect, when you're finished, you look back at it, it's few words that describe it. I'll let you give the examples of it. Allah's doing it. All that ad history, all that they've done is described in what? They're arrogant and they're finished off. Done. Tamud. Same way. Another nation. And Allah's asking, like, think. So this is an example of this Quran being what? Clear. That it takes time to tell you, give you examples. If Allah didn't care, he would have just finished them up, right? Why should I communicate with you if you're arrogant? Like an arrogant person, you don't sit with them and explain to them. You don't say to them, let me explain to you, just let me, okay. You're not, you're not being pleasant, but let me just subscribe to you. A, B, C, D, and G, right? Out of interest in you. You say, you know what? I'm not talking to you. You're too arrogant. Allah didn't do this. Allah does tafsir. And that's feature of the Quran. And the quality from Allah as the most merciful. And Allah says in, in verse 20, which is really powerful, He says, one of the consequences, one of the things, the evident things you're going to witness yourself is that Allah without you knowing, has given a tongue to everything in creation. So one of the things that will stun you in that future of yours is that your own organs and faculties that Allah has given you are going to speak for you or against you. Just as everything else. Remember, the Jum'ah we spoke of earth speaking. Remember? The, the khutbah that, we, you know, uh, that was about Mother Earth. And one of the most amazing things about this earth that you're living is that everything in it including earth itself, has awareness, has a language, has a tongue that you do not understand. Recently I was uh, listening, just actually yesterday I was reading a stunning article. I'm very interested in language of um, non-humans. And I spoke to you recently about trees talking. Yesterday I read an article, blew my mind away. actually say that when plants, vegetables and fruits their plants are struggling, they're malnourished, they're dehydrated, or when the branch is cut off from them, they start to produce sounds of grief. SubhanAllah. 
and they detected the frequency. The frequency is between 20 and 100 hertz, megahertz. That is not detectable by the human ear. SubhanAllah. So they put instruments, detectors, 10 centimeters away from the plant, and they picked up sounds from the plant only when it was suffering. Like, I'm just blown away. Allah said it. Umamun amthalukum. You know, my mother always says, speak to it, speak to it, speak to the water, speak to the tree, it, it, speak to the plant. And then I found my mother just talking to the plant. I'm like, I grew up like this. It scares you. Talk to it, it grows better. I said, SubhanAllah, Wallahi, it's in the Quran. Prophet Muhammad did this, right? We take it lightly. It's real. It's real. Even our own organs are listening. The plant and the rock has a spirit to them. We just don't recognize it. We don't understand it. Now they're picking this up in science. And they're telling you the trees around you and the plants are complaining to each other. Issuing SOS messages to each other to help each other out, complaining to you when you cut a branch or do something nasty without a reason. They no good reason is okay, right? But not for no reason. When they're lacking water, they're crying. Subhan. And one day Allah will make us hear it. And they're also saying in science. And what they're discovering is that they're saying some of the animals might be hearing them. They're looking into this right now. And I said, SubhanAllah, isn't there a hadith that says that the cries of people who are in the grave are heard by everything except humans and children? Heard by everyone, every creature, except at the human beings and jinn. So they're in a frequency that we cannot hear, but they're heard by other creation. SubhanAllah, it's already there. Already there. They have, they have voices, sounds coming up, we just cannot detect them. But other creation of Allah is detecting the sounds coming from the graves. So Allah warns that indeed there shall come a day when you're seraph. So this, this hearing that you said, oh, it's deaf, is going to be witness talking about you saying, no, 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 you're a bird. And I heard myself, and you did this and this and that, and your basal, your vision will testify. And your hand will testify, and your feet will testify. And the human being will be stunned by what he or she is saying. And Allah describes in verse 21 saying, and they will respond. This, these human beings that rejected the world, the world of Allah <coughs> will be so stunned that they say, They'll start to complain, talking to their own skin. Hey, listen, why are you talking about me? Why are you talking about me? Because they're blown away, they're bewildered. How is the skin talking? <coughs> And the skin will respond, Allah says, by saying, The one who made us speak is the one who made everything speak. Notice the word. The skin says, The one who made us speak is the one who made what? Everything speaks. Means everything speaks. Everything hears. And on the day of judgment, we're going to witness this. Can you imagine that day when you hear everything speaking, including earth? Right? Earth itself and the planets will speak. The heavens will speak. And you're going to be hearing it. And I'll be hearing it. That blows the mind away. And it's amazing that this earth is a witness right now to everything that is happening on it. Every, every drop of blood that is spilled. Look at the indiscriminate nature of, the, of, of, the, of, of killing, of, of, of harm. On earth, every single thing, it's absorbing it and it's keeping record and it will speak about it. Right? And every good thing 
And every good thing that is planted on this earth, it'll speak about the beauty of it. And you shall, you and I shall hear and witness all of this. And Allah says in verse 25, <coughs> coming inshallah towards a wrap. Remember when I spoke of the effect of the word of Allah? <coughs> what are the effects and the consequences of opening one's heart to the Quran versus not opening one's heart to the Quran is that Allah consequently will assign you companions based upon that spirit and responsibility. You for sure have companions in this earth. Human beings are human. <clears throat> but what you don't know is that you have invisible companions. Did you know that? In case you think you're alone, you're not alone. Well, we know about the early angels that report. We know that we're surrounded by angels, but we never understood that you have an assignment. You and I actually right now have assigned companions who are and what determines who they are is your openness to the Quran. So Allah says in verse 25, ask for the people who didn't open their hearts to the Quran, who rejected the word of Allah. Guess what Allah says? One of the consequences is that He says, we assign to the Quran companions, especially devils. Devils assigned, imagine, they have nothing else but to be the companion of this person. And the only thing they do is to whisper and provoke and incite this human being towards nasty things. That's why the person who is really decides not to listen, you notice their life gets worse and worse and worse. So one of the impacts of rejecting the word of Allah is that it messes you up. The word itself starts to mess you up. And one of the consequences is an assignment, ominous news, without you even knowing. You didn't know I don't have friends. No, 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 we do. And Allah says, be careful, because it could be an invisible devil assigned to you, doing nothing but alluring you, seducing you to live this world and enjoy it. And it'll make it very appealing to you. And they'll incite you, and they'll whisper into your ears day and night. Devils, they're bent on this. And that's your assignment, because Allah says, the person brought on them himself. Allah didn't bring it, because you say, this is not fair. Allah says, no, 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 it is fair. This person decided they didn't want guidance, willfully and consistently rebelled. So one of the things they brought on to themselves is the veil on themselves. Remember, the first consequence, they veil themselves, they make themselves deaf, and it is executed, it's fulfilled. And on top of this, worse, is that now they have an assigned double. That constantly provokes them towards bad things to further them even more from Allah. <clears throat> and Allah further describes the behavior about the kuffar who say, Now, if they're assigned this double, <clears throat> each of them, and if they're already veiled, clearly their reaction to the Quran is going to get better or worse? Worse. So Allah says in verse 26, the ones who do kufr will say, and they said this about the Quran during the time of Prophet Muhammad, they said, don't hear this Quran, don't listen to it. So they're, they're not only listening, not listening, but they have, now they're doing what? They don't want anyone to listen. They're getting worse and worse. They're calling out everybody, don't listen to this Quran, don't listen to this man. He's a sorcerer, he's a poet. Going out of their way to block the word of Allah. And they said, Wallah, Make noise. So whenever 
Prophet Muhammad was reciting the Quran, you know what they did? Make noise. Stop banging on things. Stop talking loud. Start talking gibberish. Why? To drown out the voice of the Quran. But Allah says, nothing will drown out the voice of Allah. Nothing. No matter how much noise you produce, you fools, you're drowning out yourself. You're the one drowning. You're the one who's being built. The word of Allah doesn't change. <laughs> nothing can assault this word. And by the way, no matter how much people try to veil this Quran, this Quran will resound and will be imminent subhanAllah throughout time. Its impact is fixed, brothers, it's powerful, it's firm in the ground, producing trees that reach the heavens. And its impact has been felt since, since 1400 years. Allah said, you're messing with this, the word of Allah, that has the power from Allah, nothing can block this word but the fools think they can. Because they said, do this, produce the noise, that we become triumphant over the word of Allah. And they cannot. Then Allah Azza wa contrasts that <clears throat> by saying that, well, for those who open their hearts to Allah, they're also going to have companions. Well, what kind of companions Allah describes in verse 30, where he says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزِّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ he says, those impact, but the one who opens his heart, is that they're going to say, where are what? Not a lot of work. Remember, the Muslims in Mecca were tortured, were persecuted. For one of them to stand up and say, I'm Muslim, is a big deal. That's like, I mean, harm will be brought up to that person. So I'm not saying the one who says is not ashamed of being Muslim, of taking Allah as his master, he's not hiding it. Unless there's a reason why. I mean, as long as it's clear, if there's a reason, if there's harm, you know, somebody's going to lose their lives, you know, if they said they're Muslim, don't say. Very simple. La no harm and don't reciprocate harm. Don't harm yourself. So you can tell me that the people of Mecca, the Muslims, they really, I mean, like, they sacrifice a lot. So Allah's saying in general, for the one who says, My master is Allah, not life. That's really, they're really proud of it. They're not ashamed of it. But is it enough? It's not enough. Because it's the word. What has it be coupled, does it have to be coupled with? Action. It has to be a marriage of word, knowledge, and action. Otherwise, it's empty word. Staqam. They made an effort to be firm on the word, struggle with the word, do righteous deeds, right? Two conditions. Allah says, guaranteed, guaranteed that the Nazarah Allah will assign them angels. So their companions are angels that will come to them from the heavens in armies. Not one companion, countless companions. Delivering comfort, healing, good news to them that you shall not fear, you shall not be. Surround them completely. These angels are responsible for that believer. Oversee that believer, guard that believer, comfort that believer when they're grieving, comfort them when they're afraid. And they say to them, we are your protecting friends. We love you. So Allah made these angels actually love the person they're assigned to. Love them. 
You don't see them. Allah looks as has those awliya, right? SubhanAllah, this is a powerful promise from Allah. They say to them, we are protecting friends in where? In this world and in the next world. Don't think it's going to end in this life. We're with you right now. Every single step, even though you don't see, Allah assigned us to you. By me. We're going to be there for you when you die. Time of grief and fear. We're going to be there. And we know the hadith of the Prophet, the veil is open and you shall see all the angels. And they're, subhanAllah, smiling and caring for you. SubhanAllah, kafas, a covering from paradise for you and with perfume and and, and taking your spirit to Allah Azza wa We talk about the life tidings. No fear and no grief. And they're going to be waiting for you when you come out of birth. To take you all the way to Jannah. They will not leave you until you enter Jannah. From that, that's the promise of Allah Azza wa Allah says, which one is better? Look at the contrast of the companions. That Allah... Exactly. There is not a soul except that it has a protecting, guarding angel upon it. Assigned. And Allah Azza wa will wrap with this, insha'Allah. Beautiful verse in 33. He said, then who's better in speech? Remember, Quran is speech. And it summons us to, to better speech and better action. That's one of the consequences. The impact of the Quran is that it beautifies us, makes us more beautiful, more righteous, more virtuous people inside out. And Allah gives us something, a consequence of opening one's heart to the Quran. He says, we're going to be better in speech. But then he tells them the condition. He says, who is more beautiful in their speech? Because people will mesmerize with their speech. But he's saying, here is the best speech. And also the speech that is worthy of being listened to. How do I know what should I listen to? Who should I listen to? Allah tells me who I should listen to. And tells me what words I should speak that are the best. So he says, who is better in speech and also being worthy of listening to than the one who does what? The best. Calls to Allah. Calls to righteousness. Calls to justice. Calls to mercy. Calls to everything. Calls to Allah himself, his worship, but also calls to everything that Allah called for. All the good things. Even in just conflicts. They always bring the good things, right, into the conflict. They don't seek to create discord and disharmony. And does that make sense? They're always calling to the values and the ethics that their source called for. And that's their speech. Is it enough? <clears throat> Will people necessarily believe you and me if we're just called out to all these things? What should happen? Who do you think? Necessary condition. And by the way, it's a good barometer for you and me to know who's worthy of being listened to. What's the second condition? No, no, no. Do righteous deeds. Action in accordance with what? The speech. Otherwise, it's what? It's talk. So if somebody talks about keeping a promise, and they're not keeping a promise, don't listen to them. And if we're saying it, that's not good speech. That's awful, hideous speech. We're talking about cleaning, but we're messed up. Or we're disorderly. Truth and we're lying all the time, praying and we're not praying, etc., etc. It's empty speech. Allah says that's not good. That's ugly. So the gauge, Allah says, and He's educating you and me, Abba, by the way, on how to enhance our chances of being listened to. How do you enhance your chances? Whatever you're saying, execute. 
bridge the gap between the speech and the knowledge and the action, people will come. SubhanAllah. And Allah said, that's the best. That's the most virtuous. And it's a consequence of opening one's heart to the Quran. You're going to be beautified inside and outside in your words and in your actions. And Allah are the best. Then Allah says, The good one is not equivalent to the bad one. Good is not equivalent to evil. So he's saying what? Repel evil with what? Good. It's all. So when something, somebody is being nasty, be beautiful. When somebody, you know, like, it's a rule, it's a law that you cannot repel evil with evil. Right? You repel evil with good. Now, there's a lot to say about this. Because one might say that if I'm abused, I should say, give me a hug. Right? No. As long as the response doesn't produce more harm. Make sense? Because sometimes we stretch it with his muscles. Say, no, 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 no. He slapped you, give him a what? <coughs> kiss. No. Right? You don't give him necessarily a kiss. It depends. Right? Will the kiss produce a better consequence or a worse consequence? What if this person is arrogant? If I give him a kiss, what's going to happen? He's going to smack me again. Don't do that. There's a rule. Stated by Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, rule of rule, you know, for all of life, in four words: la wala Memorize this: no harm and no reciprocation of harm. It's a rule of life. So that, don't cause harm and don't reciprocate the harm. It's very simple. So do whatever produces good, and and make your response in according to that rule. Right? And that's what Islam seeks to produce. But, but it's a spirit of the believer. And they don't repel good, I mean evil, with good. They don't repel anger with anger. They don't repel error with error. Error with truth. Anger with gentleness. Right? Uh, nastiness and, 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 harm, and harm with forgiveness. That's what Allah expects. And He says that's the highest standard. And then a wrap with one verse, inshallah. <clears throat> at the end, Allah says at the end, beautiful ending to the surah. In verse 52, he says, Final call to the disbelievers who reject this surah. He says, okay, let's use some logic here. What if, what if, you're saying this is not from God. What if it was? What if it turned out that this word is from God? Then what are you going to do? You're going to be really like finished off. Don't take that chance. So he's telling to them, what if this word turned out to be from Allah and you disbelieve in it? Could anyone be further away from life and truth? Meaning that if you took that chance and you rejected this Quran without even looking at it, and it didn't turn out to be from Allah, can you take that chance? Because who could be worse than someone who fought with the word of who? Allah himself. He's saying, don't take that chance. He's warning, don't take that chance because it is him. Right? Make sense? What a beautiful way to end. And it ends like, don't take that chance. Because if it's from Allah, you are messed up. You're the furthest, the most blind and the furthest from the truth and the future and all of hope. And Allah says, look at the mercy of Allah. I'm not going to leave you, he says. 
He shall continue, he says, to make his signs, clear signs, abundant, and shall continue to unveil them and provide them to you day and night in the horizon until it becomes clear to you that it's the truth. Meaning Allah is never going to leave us. Allah shall, you know, when I was reading yesterday about the plants, it's a verse. Allah is, here it is. Did any talk about plants and animals speaking? We thought, eh, we used to call this stuff crazy. Here it is, rest of it. I just read this thing from science that says plants cry. I said, subhanAllah, didn't we hear about the tree with Prophet Muhammad crying? And some people will lie when I quote that idea. They say, ah, come on. Really? Really? Tree crying? Right now, Allah says, we shall continue to make the signs abundant for you in the horizons that speak of the truth of Allah. Until it becomes manifest. And that's the mercy of Allah. You have no reason, like you have all the explanations clear. Indeed, beautiful, a message clear, made clear to all of us from Allah. All he says is what? Open your heart to it. That's it. If you right now open your heart to the Quran, mercy, healing, good companionship of the angels, blessings of Allah's protection in this world here. Beautiful. And the Quran will respond to you accordingly. Inshallah, we open the floor for comments and questions. <clears throat> and Zach, I'm going to ask if you want to describe that further. That's you know, go ahead. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not putting you on the spot if you want to. So. Oh, yeah. well, How's it works? Oh, okay. I mean, it's because that was really good. <laughs> well, I kind of do like a little test—not a test, but just like a little exercise with people I talk to. Is you know, if everybody can just do this within their own mind, you know, say, "Hey, describe your your twenties," <laughs> and so. People go and, you know, everybody can just think about their 20s. They think about it and they usually come up with a couple sentences at best, you know, and a lot of times. So in retrospect, right? Yeah, they're looking back. back right, you know, let's right, say someone's 40, 50 years old or whatever, or, you know, 30, I just use different time frames. But if you think about your own 20s, describe it to yourself and what your 20s was. And it usually is like maybe two or three sentences, and a lot of times just maybe two or three words. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 ask them, hey, how about your thirties and your forties? And they and and it just it's all just a few words. So then I said, hey, reflect on this. You literally just gave me thirty years of your life in five words. Thirty years in five words. And you know, as we talked about before, when you go into the grave, you get asked about who's your creator, what's your religion, and who do you follow. And then your whole life becomes to three words. And that is it. You just you reflect on it and you're like, wow, life is really short. Do that a lot here for and do it right now. Reflect on your life. What stands out? A few words. If you notice, all these things we've been through, because I did it. Few things, few memories that stand out, described in words. That's it. Allah says for all of them, you're gonna give that up. An internal future, and let it be good, because life is going to evaporate for sure. It's gone. It's what's left is the good deeds. That's it. So it's not a lot here for sure. Beautiful news. Yeah, the surah actually um, gives you the etiquette of Sama. Uh, it's, it's beautifully described how you need to make the active Dawah of Islam. Mm-hmm. 
There are so many examples of that. And everything is clear that. But what is our role? What we have to do that, that we become a die because we can do, we, people don't think sometimes, it's called down means your action should, people should look at you and your action should reflect that this guy is a Muslim, this guy, look what he's doing, how he behaves, he's very truthful, he's very honest. So in our role in the society is to do a passive bow in that regard by showing our action, by showing our speech or doing good things for the humanity, that's called passive dawah in that way. But the Quran explained that uh, the active dawah is, you know, how you can do that. I mean, you just, uh, as you said, the two wrongs cannot cannot make right. So you have to be uh, answer the wrong with the with the right, with the with the things which you know people can stop. Sometimes you know people you take it. It's just. He stopped. I mean, he said, well, I cannot listen to Quran any further because what you're saying is very true. And he was talking about uh, uh, Adam Samud and they were Arabs. They knew that. So our role should be, if we cannot do active dawah, we can do passive dawah in that through our action. Amir al Sariha. That's, that's really a beautiful, uh, one of the beautiful lessons to do this story. Um, and, and we'll notice how Allah makes things clear. It's our job to make things clear, not to make assumptions that people, you know, about what people understand or not understand. Make things clear. And also, like, seek to understand their context. But this is something, like, what you stated um, uh, is, is, is a response to anybody who claims that I, I don't know. I don't know anything. No, our behavior is the best, really best out. And, and we're, we're a mirror reflecting our faith. That's what's scary, is that, look at the responsibility, and it's a serious responsibility. How often we hear this, that people uh, condemn the religion because of their experiences. They say, no, I've known the Muslims were like messed up, or what I've seen on the news. But then they come and say, well, why recently somebody converted? Uh, I was just talking to her, I'm like, what was it? He said, look, it's just a little of all that crazy, just one person, just, just Muslim, Against all the nastiness that I've seen, but this person was so good with me, so good with me. I cannot, I couldn't help but like judge the faith based on that experience. It's real, one person. So this passive doubt is so powerful, and right now it's done with character. It's doing something. What is it? It's probably the only effective form. The only effective form, better, better than all like, speech. I mean, just to be real, most yeah. people don't convert because someone went up to them and explained to them. So so true. So true. So true. You know what? Um, another. Um, what is it? That uh, somewhere? Uh, yeah, there's someone else. Um, she's Christian. She's saying, you know, like something I feel when I'm around Muslims. I said specifically, can you tell me, like, I want to, like, what is, what is it? She's peace. Like whatever company she's had, she said, I just feel peace, right? Like, so. We need to listen to that so that we can pay attention to our own behaviors. When people feel peace around us, if they do, if we're sincere and authentic and real, why they'll feel that peace? And he said, we don't feel it other places. Subhanallah, without without you and I saying a word. Oh yeah, that's very important. Shabbos. You're right. So no, say that. Like, yeah. I forgot who said this. Um, I think it 
think it was Imam Ghazali, the, the 90s one, not the, not the ancient one. He said that half, half the reason that people, well, the reason why half people in the world disbelieve in Islam is because of the bad conduct of character, not because they read the Quran or they read the life of the Prophet. So they're like, you know what, this isn't for me. That's not usually why. I mean, you work with young people. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't witness these meetings, but I could take a very good guess that 95, maybe even all of them, I don't know, 95% of the people who come to you complaining, oh, they lost faith in Islam, was probably because, I don't know, they had bad interactions. It's not because they read the Quran and they fell out. Maybe some of them do, but I, I would argue that's not most. And let's not forget, no, Islamophobia is no different than what Bushiki was doing at that time, and that is time, right? That we, we are we're going through the same. I mean, it's, it's just in a, we are living in an environment where you turn on the radio, you turn on the television, you look at those things, they're all talking against Islam. But it's Anything not that Islam. That was the Mushrikeen was doing the same thing. So true. So how we respond, how the Prophet and the companion responded to that, we need to really adopt those things right. to come to that. But it's not just... With all due respect, it's not just Islamophobia. Islamophobia is a big thing, but it's also primarily attacks from other Muslims. I mean, nothing hurts more than being betrayed by your own community, especially when you're attacking your own community. When it's like outsiders attacking you, yeah, that might get to you for some people, but that does not, but at the end of the day, you see them as outsiders. You just, oh yeah, it's just them, they're going to talk. But when other people are attacking you, like, I don't know if, um, if a woman comes into the masjid and she doesn't wear hijab normally yeah. and then she's constantly attacked saying oh you know you're going to the hellfire because you don't wear hijab or you know whatever you're you're not a good muslim because you don't wear the hijab or whatever and that's constantly the attack of focus and it's coming from muslims you know how they react they're, you're supposed to have their back and you don't so oh, where do we start on this i don't know you know again the whispers of the shaitan, the, the allures of the shaitan that makes even righteous behavior, like look, you know, makes righteous behavior a means to something mischievous, right? And makes us believe that we're doing the right thing, creating devastation in the name of righteousness. Now, you know, again, the, the issue of being attacked from within. So again, it goes back to the heart. Look at the community. How much harm? And like, honestly, just look at this This is a very serious issue. Look at marriages. Look at families. Oftentimes, how much harm do they inflict on each other? Tons. Here it is. Like when we spoke of da'wah outside, passive da'wah being good. Many people are might be better outside than they are inside, and within their homes, they're like horrible. I'm like. Even that is a testament and a reflection of one's faith. It's dependent best. Meaning that ultimately everything in our surroundings is impacted by our behavior. Allah is asking us to elevate this and says, that is your faith. It's like we spoke about in Jummah, don't trample on anything. At a minimum, don't trample on anything and people will be impacted. That's your best doubt. Don't trample. Don't cause harm. Don't cause harm. If anything, create beauty. Wallahi, it is so simple. Not knowing an injunction of the Quran is it difficult to speak a good word, especially when it's difficult, especially when there's evil. Because people, Allah says in in um, verse thirty-five here, He says it don't mean it's easy. 
to repel evil with God, he says, don't, I'm not talking about the easy times. He's saying, I'm talking about the difficult times when you're harmed, when people are really unleashing on you. Can you be, can you have a higher standard or you become like them? That's why in divorce, Surah Nisa highlights that behavior the most. Allah's saying, you want to see faith? Pay attention to people's behavior when they love divorce. How many stories have we heard of nasty things happening with people in divorces? Allah says, here it is. In, in fact, I'm going to scare you a little bit, bro, right? Because I, I, I think this hadith is incredible. The words of the Prophet pinpointed. He says, among the sons of the hypocrites, in the Hathama, the son of a hypocrite is that when they have conflict with you, they turn up. Very hostile and nasty. Oh my goodness, I'm like, we better be careful in how we handle conflict. That determines the faith of a person. So it says so much. So, so especially when it's difficult, Allah says, He says, those are the people of the highest fortune who are able to exercise this when it is difficult, when it is hard. Make sense? And they don't become vengeful, etc. 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 Not come up he was the body spread there. And then one of the silent people took and what all in the Muslim he like you said, I'm repeating the same word. Good and bad is not equal. Bad is bad. If I believe the Asam, if I believe the Asam, if I believe the Asam, if I believe the so if you do instead of bad, you do the good, and there is a possibility that the person who is your enemy who used bad language or bad behavior, he will become your close friend. And then you said, the greatest disquality is those who have suffered. Who like you said. Uh, and then, of course, when somebody is bad and he uses all the bad behavior or bad language, sometimes you lose your temper mm -hmm. and then you repel it with sometimes, you know, we are human beings. And um, later on, we repent. You know, that guy was bad, he used bad language, he used bad behavior with him, with me. Uh, and um, I should not have confronted him. I should have let him, like Prophet Salasim, you said, he listened to the people who mm -hmm. came with bad intention and with silence. Mm -hmm. and, and then he said, mm -hmm. And if that time comes that you lose, that's the anger. When we become angry, we do then bad things, we repent later on. It says immediately think that this shaitan has come in between and says, Hasta is Billah. Ask Allah's protection. 
Jannah Musamin. So it is a very beautiful verse. You all actually elaborated on it, but it, we can deal it with our day-to-day lives. So. And you anchored in something beautiful and important. You will not understand how to do any of this without Rasulullah. Meaning that we have a living example of how to actually do this. Look at the, like even the story that I shared of how he handled Uthbah. He exercised this very thing. And he answered from the Quran that was so gentle and respectful and kind. We had firm, right? He didn't just say, I'm not going to say anything to him out of respect. No, no, no. He was courageous. And, and, and it, so the living example of Prophet Muhammad shows us beauty, shows us this incredible patience in those times of difficulty. But one thing, the last verse, um, 36, Allah says, you're going to be assaulted by shaitan. So it's okay, right? Meaning that shaitan will come to you to incite anger, incite, incite vengefulness. Insight, bitterness, etc. Whatever. What should you do? Tell them, like, lose it. Say, Astaghfirullah, recognize from the shaitan, go wash up. As the Prophet says, go make wudu and make isti'ada. The, the, the question is not so much, is not about making errors and losing patience. The question is arrogance and being insistent on it. Does it make sense? Otherwise, make isti'ada and say, Astaghfirullah, I'm going to go back. You know what? Chavez, I heard. I yelled, I shouldn't have been. That's good in Islam. But to say, no, I yelled, and I'm right, and do the world, right? Go at it, I feel myself right. Oh, Allah does not tolerate that. It's that beautiful Allah. There's nothing gentler because we're going to make mistakes day and night. Remember a story of linking the surahs, Surah Saad? What is it that Allah praised Prophet Dawood and Sulaiman with? Innahu awab. He constantly checked himself when he made errors and went back to Allah, seeking forgiveness. Allah, Dawood and Sulaiman, praise as such. So, a couple of, I'll go to Lala and then I'll come back. Moment, inshallah. Thank you, sir. So remember this, signs of Allah are infinite and they don't speak to everybody. Makes sense. Like somebody might look at that and say, whoa, blown away. It, it's the click. Somebody says, no, I don't see that. You know those colors in, in the color? You know those like, like the balloons and gold? Men and women see it differently. Have you seen this in the dress? In the dress, yeah. I'm like, my daughter's like, how are you looking for? What are you seeing, Bob? I'm like, blue and blue and silver. She's like, what? It's black and I don't see it. So, meaning the same way. Maybe 
the fact that you share about the son might appeal to someone and not someone else. Allah, he says, I'm going to give enough sufficient signs for So that sign you spoke of might appeal to a lot of people. Say, I really see the word of Allah. Wow, subhanAllah. Right? I understand. I'm just saying it's real. No, I'm, not, I'm saying absolutely. I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily speak to everyone. Just as a fact of science, it doesn't speak to everybody. So these are powerful signs to Allah, absolutely. But Allah's signs are not just that, they're everywhere. And these signs are sufficient for all intellects, emotional and psychological. Make sense? That no one is left without signs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, this is incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. Like, nobody could have had something written like that except Allah. Um, and it, it's, it's powerful, absolutely. Yeah. So I actually have a question on uh, two matters that you didn't necessarily have time to go over. It was uh, about 49 and 50, <coughs> where Allah Azawajal talks about what I would argue basically describes the essence of um, human nature when it comes to worship, where and very succinctly says that um, when man prays for good, he's constantly asking for good, you know, for wealth, for health, for etc. But then when you know trials fall upon him, suddenly he becomes oh, you know, well, why did you do this to me? Why did you do you know, why did you do that? He starts complaining, you know. And I mean some commentators like some commentators like to say this talk about disbelievers um, in this context, but I would argue this is a very good um, summary of people in general because when I read something like that, I tend to think, oh man, that's something I do too. And it makes me question like, it makes me question like my intentions. Like, do I really have sincerity when it comes to my relationship with, um, with Allah? So I guess my question is, I don't know if you can answer this very shortly, but um, how do we reach that sincerity with Allah? That it doesn't become like transactionally worshiping. Yeah. So the verses that Shabbos uh, is referring to, forty nine fifty, where Allah speaks of the nature of the human being, that He's constantly seeking to multiply the good experiences of good things in our lives. That when we're touched by good, we're happy. But when we're touched by something evil and difficult, we become we despair. Allah says this is His nature that He is not um, doesn't tire from asking for the good things of Allah as again. But then he gives the example of someone who is a kafir, who really uses Allah, that's extreme, right? Oh God, I'm drowning, save me. And then when he is taken to the shore, he's like, I don't believe in God. Literally, total denial. So they are levels, first of all. Fundamentally, we all have that nature, not to the extreme, though. Meaning that we, we don't want to be touched by evil, that's normal. And we are forgetful, that's normal. But Allah says, I'm reminding you of your nature and how much you need me. This is actually, actually, <coughs> no. 
kind of a type of tafsir. Allah's educating us. Remember, the surah is about explaining, making clear to us our nature. So He's actually summoning us back to Him to say, "Don't make your relationship with me transactional," and, re- and realize you have none but me. Really, that's what it comes down to. But it's a humbling thing. It doesn't mean you and I were not going to have that nature. The challenge is when we take it to an extreme. But how do we enhance it? How do we become better that we're not using Allah transactionally? You know, first of all, we cannot reach that level without learning more about Allah to appreciate Allah. Because if we think Allah is there to just give us, and what we worship is this world, even though we acknowledge the existence, it's still not real. It's like what's real is the pleasure. So I'm going to use Allah for the pleasure, to give me the pleasures and to protect me from the harm. But he's like a, a like a, a kind of a side detail, right? He's not what matters because I'm not busy with him. There's a rule that says the unnoticed cannot be loved. We're not noticing Allah and Allah is about learning about him, spending time with him. We're not going to appreciate him. We're going to be having this behavior that we only remember him in terms of difficulty. So to remember Allah in all times means active engagement with Allah in all times. And Allah is saying, engage my Quran. Indeed, it's a spiritual journey. The more that we spend time with Allah spiritually, through his remembrance, through his word, through dua, the more that Allah will fortify us, that we turn to him night and day in times of ease and difficulty, and that he is not the means. Is actually the law. He ends. Say, Allah, okay, uh, I want to get married, but I'm not going to lose Allah if I, visit, I don't get married. Make sense? No, no, he's the end. Not the marriage, not the wealth, not this. That makes sense? So it's a spiritual journey at the end. We're not going to be fortified to have that certitude without spending time with Allah learning more about Him in His Word. It's a very simple, by the way, in Islam, it's a very simple regimen. You spend more time with Allah learning about Him. Engaging with him, reflecting on him, mentioning him, Allah will strengthen your heart, elevate it. It's not on us. It's actually not on Allah. But we have to do our part. But it's a journey. It's not gonna, it goes up and down. We're going to struggle with it. It's okay. But the more we exert ourselves in jihad with Allah, the more that the heart will respond with, inshallah, a more enhanced kind of attitude towards Allah. Does that make sense? Uh, let's wrap inshallah. I know, brother, you want to say something? And then let's take a look. Inshallah, it's a quick one. And I know sure. the end for next week. But there is this prayer in Surah Al-Shura. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to <coughs> contextualize that. But that will be different for, for the next halakha. Yeah, inshallah. First, we're not going to take that verses for next time. Um, <laughs> no commentary on it. So, watch all beautiful verses. So uh, let's take the time, inshallah, to explain it next time. Jazakallah khair. But you know what else? I'm glad you mentioned shura in general. That the next surah is about a behavior that really speaks of faith. Because it is difficult. Shura, consultation, right? Allah is giving us the keys and how to respond to Baghdad when you're really pressed and you're tried hard. How do you respond? Is, is, is a function of that faith. So inshallah, Jazakallah khair for bringing it up. It's a beautiful segue into next week, inshallah, about another important behavior for the strength of a family and the strength of a community. We're not going to be successful without these keys to this life. So inshallah, we'll talk about Surah Tushur next week, but let's wrap. Well, I, I just wanted to uh, jump that point is that, that um, 
when you learn the religion, one thing you have to observe that is that religion is making you uh, humble. Mm -hmm. The people who learn some Islam, they try to become arrogant. I'm better than others. Yes. Right? And now he raised the point that now people are going around saying, you're not winning hijab, you're going to be in hellfire, right? Now you become a judgmental on that. Mm -hmm. Now we have to look at the role of this person, you know, he's doing the wrong thing, and the person who is being accused for that, that person should also have a role. That person should not say, because, you know, I don't like the religion because people are accusing me, I'm going to leave the religion. So the both party has to really look at that, our society, our community has to really look at that, what that person should do when somebody is behave like that. Yeah. And the person who is really saying that I'm superior than you, you and I have more knowledge Islam, I see all people are doing, you know, uh, evil around around here. Now that's kind of a arrogance building in there. That's, it doesn't seem to me the religion has mm -hmm. really, really get to the point where the people really understand what my religion is. My religion is not that they become arrogant and judgmental. That's the problem of our own communities. That's, that needs to be, you know, you need to be addressed at an individual level and at the community level. It all comes uh, to one's behavior in accordance with the teaching of Allah. That is just right. The behavior in accordance with the teaching of Allah. That's all. So, if I just said, you have a responsibility. I mean, yes. I think remembering Allah is the spirit of the immunity, but remembering Allah is remembering Allah in good times, not in bad times. You essentially have to live by Allah. When you, are, when you are blessed with something, you have to realize at all times that that blessing is not because of you. And that covers everything, including what you are saying. It's like when somebody, his, his wife is covered or he's covered or whatever, if he's realizing that like, actually that's a blessing from Allah, it's not because he's better, right. he will not say it to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So the remembrance of Allah is remembering him when you are in good times and when you are living it. And when when you put your head on the pillow and you are like, you feel so good, oh, you said, oh, I'm so blessed. It's not like, oh, I'm so great. <laughs> So, Jazakallah khair, and, and you know, the key, one of the key words is, is the, the gratitude, awareness that it's from Allah, whatever we have. Everything's actually emanated from thinking it's you. So, Allah rejects and repulses, it's repulsive to Allah. All forms of arrogance, including religious, righteous arrogance, the worst actually. Because that's putting on the garb of faith. And in the name of God, which is worse, worse, and it can now cause more fitna. Fitna means it repulses people away from Allah. Because if they associate now this with Allah and that's all they see, well, they're gonna, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it's harsh. It pushes away further. I, think, I just want to add one Please. Earlier you talked about uh, what Dr. Hassan is saying. When you said, like, if somebody slaps you, you turn your face down, etc. On this one, I just want to add one important thing is. What Rabbi Hassan said, say that in times of force, when you are actually on top, when you are strong, when you are like, you can actually return the evil. Right. When you restrain yourself, said, no, I will not do that kind of thing myself. That's what Allah is talking about here. It's basically when you are in a position of strength, even for the very small thing. If you restrain yourself and you do what pleases Allah, then 
you are remembering Allah and you are on the right path. But when somebody is like more powerful than you are and he says that to you, even if you don't turn your other face, you will probably decide to slap him. Exactly. So it's like, it's when you are strong, is right, it, right. Right. Yeah, that strength is, is, is given to you from Allah and you use it the right way. Absolutely. So, so it, it, that's where wisdom comes in to assess whether there's harm or good in, in the response and, and, and when it's given, as you said, in, in position of that power. Um, just want to say, Father, and just, um, you know, let me just say this on the issue of you're always going to have these, uh, it's called bad apples, right? That misuse the religion, misuse the faith, condemn this, condemn that. But I would say here, here becomes a responsibility of the others around to balance that. Because if this individual is harmed and there's no one else to um, console them, then what's going to happen is that they're going to leave. Make sense? So we have to be vigilant. And when we see people being harmed by behaviors like this, well, that behavior person who committed it, they committed it. I mean, we cannot change it. But what we can do is console those individuals that have been harmed by this behavior, that, that subhanAllah, they don't lose the faith. They don't become distant, all because if we're passive observers of this behavior, we're equally responsible. That not about that he just hurt someone, no, some of didn't say anything about it, or didn't go to console, comfort that soul that was harmed. Make sense? That's when you have a community, looking out for each other. Then we become like inclusive and welcoming to each other, and that we heal each other. Barakallahu feekum, inshallah, next week we'll do Surah Al-Shura. That's Allah Azawajal to bless us and make us among the people of the Qur'an, to make us among those who open their hearts humbly to the Qur'an, to make us among those who are beautified and elevated by the Qur'an, those who are strengthened by the angels around us, to make us among those who say, رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا لَتَنَزَّلَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَلَلَيْكُمْ وَلَلَّمْ تَخَافُوا لَلَّهُ Allah join us Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and make us among the righteous, and make us among the nobles, and make us among his people. وَصَلِّ اللَّهُمْ عَلَى سَيْدِنَا مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ مَنْ بَارَكَ رَفِيكُ إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ السَّلَامُ